Lead the charge with Milwaukee. Performance, power, precision, no petrol hassles. Learn more at milwaukeetool.com.au. Milwaukee, nothing but heavy duty. Aces, I know I always talk about the Rixies, but I've got to offer you the discount again. In case you've forgotten or in case you're sleeping under a rock, we have a special discount code for everyone that listens to this podcast or watch the podcast. It's Aces. Head online to rickseyewear.com.au and use the discount code ACES and you'll get 20% off. That's right, 20% off, one-fifth at checkout and free express shipping. So head online, rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. All right, do we have a big show for you today? Let's get stuck into it. Oh, welcome back to Tommy Talks. We've got the king in the house, the money man. Cameron Munster, Money. How did you get the nickname? Um, well, welcome, by the way, first Thanks of all. Thanks for having me, mate. I really uh, appreciate it. Looking forward to this one. Um, how did you get the nickname Money? Like, who gave it to you? And you obviously don't mind it. <laughs> you don't mind it. Um, actually, funny enough, um, when I was coming through the grades at Storm, um, I had a Snapchat name and it was called Young Money 94. Um, and it was, it was like, because I used to love, obviously, Young Money, the the singer, um, the rapper. And, oh, yeah. um, I know, I just, it wasn't because of my last name or anything like that. I just thought... Oh yeah, young money. How good's that? Um, and then some of the boys seen, um, see my Snapchat name, and then um, I've obviously through the years and that produced some some special stuff or things that um, I created out of nothing, and and then they and then obviously I've started getting some good um, pay packages, and and they thought it was because of the money. So, <laughs> uh, mate, it's dark, and I've I've ran, I've ran with it, and um, yeah, it'd be better than uh, having the name Dickhead or yeah, well, or Tosser. So yeah, I'll you, take it. Yeah, you take all of them, really. You still 100%. turn around when they yell out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's great. So you love money, like you don't mind it. Uh yeah, I don't mind it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it took a little bit to get used to. Um, everyone calls me money. Um, only time I probably get Cameron is for my mum when I'm in trouble. But um, That's other than so that, funny. Um, yeah. I pretty much just um, answered to to Munster. I got the same Thomas only from Mum or the teachers growing up. Like yeah. they, when you're in trouble, they call you Thomas because I used to hate it, man. See, I didn't even know your name was Thomas. So I thought it was just Tom. Nah, nah. There you go. I hate so Tom, Tom as well. Just Tommy. I don't know what it is. Tommy, the Tommy yeah. Gun. Yeah, That's Tommy Gun. The Tommy Gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, where do we start? Fuck, what a career! Uh, I don't even know where to start with you, mate. We we can do this is your life, or we can just talk golf off the top. While it's off season, we'll start with a bit of golf. Oh, now, there's a lot golf. of banter between you and Walshy. I hear a lot of uh, you know, a lot of shit talk on your podcast, the clubhouse, and by the way, it's a yeah. cracker. I sit there watching it live every week. Yeah. You've got the best seats in the house. But uh, let's go. Where did the love of golf begin as a, as a man that's so good at uh, rugby league? Is it your release? Is it what helps you just kind of not think about the game or you just had a love for golf growing up? Yeah, look, um, obviously when I was nine or ten years old, my old man used to play a fair bit back home. Um, the, the fairways and um, – T-blocks and um, greens weren't probably as immaculate as Melbourne. Um, <laughs> a bit dry and uh, roads and rocks out there. But um, I don't know, I just wanted to play something, a different sport. I was always really keen as a kid to play anything. Um, give everything a go. Wasn't great at it. Um, had some obviously some frustrations at times in golf. But that's probably when it first started was back home in Rockhampton with my old man. Um, I didn't play as much once I got into footy around 17 or 18. But uh, it was just a little outlet at times, but uh, I probably much, pretty much just do it these days just to give myself, like you said, an outlet to to rugby league and not have the mind of um, what's happening during the week, who we're playing. Um, just obviously just going through the week of just being relaxed. But um, also too, just taking my mind off everything because I feel like my head's ticking at miles an hour and um, I will always get up to mischief or um, do something stupid if I don't have something to do. Have you got a busy mind? Very busy mind. So yeah, it's, uh, it ticks a lot, um, whether that's, 
watch racing that day or <laughs> um, or just doing something stupid. So that's something that really takes my mind off it. And now I've got two kids, so that takes my mind off a lot of things and I'm really enjoying life a lot more now, that's for sure. Yeah, that is great. And congratulations, obviously, yeah, two you, kids and a busy man, the money man. It must be, um, it must be, yeah, it must be different. Your household must be chaotic. It is actually. Um, I've got two dogs as well, two visualers. Um, I didn't realize how hard it was with two dogs. <laughs> had one and I loved it and I got another one and um, got a boy and a girl and uh, the girl's mad as a cut snake. So, um, yeah, got to try and keep them um, at, at bay as well with my young fella. Um, the Terrible Two is almost coming up. So he's, um, yeah, he's very interesting. He's very active, loves playing with footies, um, loves a Sharon. So, Ooh. so I might have to get him into AFL. Um, but yeah, he just loves playing with anything in front of him um, and hates the word no at the moment. And might have to hit up Jerome Hughes for a headgear because um, <laughs> he's had a fair few head knocks at the moment. He's just throwing his head back and forth and, um, yeah, there's a lot of lot of stuff getting broken. A little helmet sure. around the uh, house, you reckon? Yeah, I'm thinking it has to be happening because um, he just flows it back like that and <laughs> it just hits anything at the moment and, yeah, it's not great for him. When you grew up, let's go to your um, upbringing, uh, Rockhampton, as you said. What were you like as a kid? Like what was your what were your hobbies? Were you always a superstar at rugby league or what were you? did you do athletics, swimming? Did you do it all, basketball? What else did you – Kind of uh, have your fingers in when you were a kid. Played a lot of sports, to be honest with you, Tommy. Um, rugby union, rugby league, touch, soccer, cricket, um, all that, Oztag. Played all those sports. I was probably more um, better at um, soccer, to be honest. Um, I had the opportunity playing some, obviously, some really high rep teams. Um, I was only, I think, 10 or, year, 10 or 11 years old and I was playing under 14s. Oh, yeah. So um, I was yeah, pretty handy at soccer. Um, probably shows on the footy field with my feet, but I just think for me, I was just loving rugby league because my mates were playing it. Um, and I, I remember the clearest day was I was trying to figure, trying to juggle sports because at the moment, my mum and dad weren't financially strong enough to be able to like financially look after me in all the sports. And so she just told me that I had to pick one sport for summer and one for winter. And just so happens that obviously soccer and rugby league were at the same time in, in Rockhampton and I chose um, rugby league over soccer, and I just remember talking to uh, the coach and people from the soccer club that I was at. Pretty much told me that I made the mistake of picking that sport over the, um, soccer. And now looking back at it, um, I probably proved them wrong. Um, but <laughs> it was yeah, I had a, it wasn't like a it was pretty stern talking to. Like he was kind of disappointed that I actually chose uh, rugby league over soccer. And and yeah, it was crazy that I um, I don't know why I chose it because I wasn't that great at rugby league at that time. Um, didn't make a rep side. I made one rep side in under under elevens, but then after that, I didn't make a rep side till I was eighteen. So wow, yeah, I was probably playing reserve grade like school footy as well. Um, so yeah, it's crazy transition and crazy how I'm sitting here today with some of the stuff that I've, I've been able to achieve is pretty special for myself and my family. But yeah, I was crazy. I, I just remember clear as like a young kid, grade eight, grade nine, and someone's having a go at me about yeah. telling me dictating what sport I play. So. Didn't really think much of it. I was more nervous and rattled, thinking, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like, so, are you my dad, or, or um, <laughs> yeah. but just trying to do the right thing, mate? Yeah, 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 just trying to do the right thing for my family and my mum and dad. And um, yeah, it ended up working out well. But um, the other sport was cricket. My old man was pretty good at like country cricketer, but um, I was never uh, great at it. But it was just something to keep me busy while um, rugby league wasn't playing. Were you batter or bowler? Or both? Uh, well, I was a bit of an all rounder. I was a bit of a hacker. A bit of a like. Um, how was it? Uh, was it Just called? Go the slog when yeah, you I was a bit of cow corner kind of man. Um, <laughs> obviously, always across my body. I can't see you sitting there with a steel mind just blocking them, yeah, mate. You'd nah, be going for the tonk, wouldn't you? I, even if it was like a nice fifty-over game, I was out in <laughs> f- probably ten balls. Um, I was always trying to hit the hit the cover off everything. But 
Um, I was mate, I was a, uh, open a bowler actually. Um, for my yeah yeah for A grade um at, at fifteen and I was pretty handy at that stage, but um, but I kind of obviously didn't really achieve the things that I wanted to achieve. I I started getting the fear of the cricket ball when I was batting. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what it was. I just got a, I, like people bowling fast to me, and I started getting <laughs> just started had this fear of getting hit with the cricket ball, and I'm like, and I started to go the other way, and um, yeah, I was probably more than. I always used to say it was, oh, because I didn't have the patience to be out there, but probably more the fact that I was playing against men and I was worried about getting hit with the ball. They, they, well, A grade, they're, they're quick. Yeah, they are pretty quick. But yeah, now looking back at it, I was thinking, grow up, toughen up. But uh, <laughs> I, that was one of the reasons I reckon I was. I was happy to bowl the ball. Um, didn't want to cop it. Didn't want to cop it. <laughs> I was happy to give this shit out, but not, not get it back. So yeah, that, that ended up going that way. But then obviously footy uh, went a bit further. And when I was 18, I was still playing A grade cricket at that time as well. And I just probably more went towards rugby league and I was lucky I did that. It's amazing that you said you didn't make a, a rep side till you were 18 after being 11. Uh, you look, you look at all the champions, like, you know, and over the, the, the biggest names, like your Michael Jordan and, and, um, they say the same thing with high school and whatnot, but you are a superstar of your game. So to think that you have, no, but to think that you weren't picked in those rep sides, you know, because I think 16 onwards, you, you know, but 18, not to be picked by anyone by then, what do you put it down to? Like, was it your work rate, the, the, you know, you trying to get better every day, you know, just, and over time you started to develop, you know, your craft. Because if you read comments, I think I took a screenshot, I could read it later, but some of the biggest names in the game have wrapped you up, you know, with the Wally Lewis of the world and, and saying you're on it. No, I'm just saying they're saying you're on a different level. So when you hear comments like that and then you hear where you were when you're a youngster, a lot of young people will be listening. Like, what do you put it down to? I reckon it comes down to um, hormones as well. My balls dropped when I was about 17, 16 or 17. I was a bit of a late bloomer. I was a pretty short kid coming through. Um, obviously, kids were man-childs at stages. I played with Corey Oates. He's the same height as he was when I was my age. Oh, right. At 13 or 14, like he was a man-child. He would have dominated. Oh, he dominated. I played footy with him on my team at times for my junior club. So he was outside me a lot of times, and I just gave it to him and let him do his thing. But, um, yeah, look, it's crazy. Um, I obviously didn't grow. Um, like I was at a, a private school where it's confraternity and at that stage when I was coming through, there was two teams you could play in two competitions, but now the competition now, you only allow one team from each school. And my first year of being at grade 11, I was in the B's team um, and I watched some of my mates play in the, in the A team and they played the confraternity and they played against the likes of Kurt Mann, um, Chris Grashmill, like Tato Mogo, those kind of guys, Anthony Milford. And I was still probably just playing reserve grade against blokes that um, probably just love them school and love them footy and play with their mates. So it was crazy. And then the following year, um, like in grade 12, obviously you grew a bit more, uh, balls dropped, <laughs> got, a, got a bit a better of like physicality, grown more. And I guess probably just getting bashed around a lot when I was a kid, probably toughened me up to be able to play against those kind of guys or men and it felt a lot easier once I transitioned into being the same size or if not similar and I think I've also played like um, Queensland Cup, which is like VFL at 18 and playing against men really probably toughened me up a lot more and made me realize um, I'm, I'm capable of playing this kind of sport. And yeah, it just probably happened really quick for me. Um, obviously things that I started to understand a lot more of the game and um, and now when I was younger, I probably didn't understand the game. And now that I've been able to have been fortunate enough to be at a club where they dissect everything and they've got so many game plans and, and obviously they've changed the way I think about rugby league, but I think coming through as an 18-year-old, yeah, I just was probably a little bit of a short. I still had a lot of confidence, um, um, but at the end of the day, um, I had to bring that confidence on the field and it started to work to work for me. And I was probably one of the reasons why I only made the Melbourne Inga rep team is because 
which was um, obviously a rep side. Um, I wasn't even going to troll out um, until a guy called Daryl Horseman that worked at the club. Um, he was pretty good close mates with my dad and he knew the coach of the Melmaninga side and he said um, he's not picking any players on names or or anyone like that because back when I was playing school footy, um, some blokes didn't even troll out and they got through because of their name. Yeah. So I, and that was happening through all my all my juniors and I was like, oh, well, it's just going to be the same as usual, you know, so why would I bother even wasting my time doing it? And he said, nah, mate, if you play good trials and play good possible probables, he'll pick you. And I'm like, all right. Went there, played some pretty good footy, um, ended up being named um, fullback for that team. And um, funny enough, George Grant, Harry Grant's older brother, I played footy with George, um, Harry's older brother, and um, he ended up getting signed by the 20s West Tigers team. So then he had to go to uh, Sydney. They had no 5'8". So then I ended up slotting in the 5'8", and we got a new fullback, and then, yeah, the rest was pretty much history. I played one game for um, Q Cup that year, and, um, yeah, ended up winning player of the year for the team. So, it was um, yeah, it was something that really – resonated with me you obviously kicked on after that and yeah went from there there you go so that was the moment that kind of kick-started the career yeah it was and then uh, the following year I had Jason Herrington as a coach um, used to play for the Bulldogs Queensland um, rough head he's from um, around our area and uh, countryside and yeah he just had affiliation with the Bulldogs um, but also too we had affiliation with the Broncos and he was trying his best to get me down to the Bulldogs and um, funny enough a guy Paul Bunn, now still our recruitment for the Storm, was um, at Brennan's at the time and um, he re- was, reckons he was watching me from 18s and further and, um, yeah, it ended up just getting me down here. I was going to say, how competitive is it from, like, how high did they tout you in, you know, how does it, because I, I understand I'm kind of from an AFL background, there's a national draft and, you know, you go through it and yep. you've got selections, a bit like the NFL draft and all the NBA. With yours, it sounds like how does it work? Like, is it just who offers the best deal at 18, 19, or whatever? Or how does it, how did you get to Storm and how did you make the decision? Yeah, funny. Um, obviously, teams can approach you at all. It's obviously, approach your manager. They can offer you as many years as you want, um, money, anything like that. Um, but for me, I was at the Queensland Capitals, Central Queensland, and um, obviously, um, Butch had a um, affiliation with the dogs. They offered me two years. Guaranteed. Broncos offered me one with an option, and Storm offered me two years guaranteed as well with the Dogs. And um, I looked at it, and uh, I think the money was a lot better at the Dogs and the Bronx. But I, I was a bit worried about going to the Bronx and having one year, and then um, and then obviously the second year was their option, where if I didn't play good the first year, they didn't have to have me. So I knew Storm was guaranteed, Storm was guaranteed, and so were the Bulldogs. But I went to the to Storm just because Bellyache, the big three, were there at the time playing the best footy of their lives and will go down as probably the best three players in their positions. Um, but for me, that was just, just to be able to train with them and say I, I had the opportunity to go down here and it was a big move. But at the same time, I, my first year of contract was five grand. Wow. I got signed for five grand. And the I money, get, man, on five grand. That would have went in a week. Oh, it, went in <laughs> one, yeah, it definitely went in one week. I was a bit of a heavy spender. But, um, yeah, that no, was five grand. And then I worked as um, – membership department um, during the week. So if the full-time boys wanted me to be able to train and, and do all that kind of stuff, I was there if, as a backup if they needed someone to train on that day because of obviously reserve grade players and that when they have to fly up and play in Brisbane and that, they needed players to train in certain days. And, yeah, I was lucky enough to be able to train most of the time in the year and really develop my game. And, um, yeah, um, funny enough, um, I actually signed my um, contract and <laughs> it's really going to be hilarious, but I signed it at Kittens. <laughs> 18 years of age, I went down there and um, <laughs> I thought I was a rock star going into this joint. And um, yeah, I was, uh, I won't be naming names of who was there with me, but um, yeah. What, you got the contract out and you signed it at Kittens? I, I, I pretty much signed it at Kittens, yeah. 
I was there and they and they gave me a piece of paper and I signed it and that was the rest was history. I'm down here for almost ten years now. <laughs> What an establishment, kittens. I don't know what you're talking about, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's a cat place. Um, they sell like homeless cats and I love cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, is that your big deal? Or are you talking about your five grand deal? That was my five grand deal. That's amazing. That was my first ever contract. Surely a couple of lappings as well. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I, was, I was very oblivious to it all. Um, that's one of my eyes. It actually opened my eyes to a lot of things and- that is hilarious. Now, were you at the time? 18. No, I was 18, yeah. Fresh 18. That yeah. is amazing, man. So coming from Rocky, um, obviously, there's only bars and- um, It would have been an eye-opener, Melbourne. Yeah, it was a massive eye-opener. Um, and when I was seeing, the, obviously, a different establishment and all that kind of stuff, I was like, what have I been doing with my life? <laughs> there's a little hint to all the recruiters out there. Take the boys to kittens take and the get boys, the contract Take the boys out, out and about. Let's show them around Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> um just back to the membership department thing. That's yep. fascinating. So you've, you're on the, the the small contract, as you just alluded to, compared yep. to what you're on now, um, and you're working in membership yep. at Storm. Yep. So what are you, just picking up the phone and calling all the members? Yeah, so That's funny amazing. enough. Yeah, it's, mate, it was hilarious. I remember picking it up going, oh, hi, it's Cameron, Cameron, Cameron here from the Melbourne Storm. And they everyone thought I was Cameron Smith because all the first coming through, they thought Cameron, because every year they get, obviously the Storm players that go and call members and, trying to get them to re-sign and, and all that kind of stuff. And I remember just calling all the time during the weeks and it was my first time getting on the phone a couple of times and like, oh, is this Cameron Smith? And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, sorry, Cameron Munster. Like, oh, 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 right, what do you want? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh. I just wanted to, and every time they had a little bell sitting on the side. So whenever I sold a membership, I used to go up there and ring the bell because it, was, it wasn't many. It wasn't many at all. So there was like a little bit of appreciation and all the, all the staff and all the people around the group just started getting up and about and, it was a good. Uh, it was a good learning curve and good um, understanding of how organisations work. And obviously, we do a lot of the work on the field, and um, just to see how hard they work behind the scenes has really opened my eyes. And um, yeah, I really appreciate them a lot more than I used to. Yeah, hundred percent. Did you enjoy it as well? Like as a youngster, you wouldn't have known any different besides from playing, you know, sport and going to school. So did you actually enjoy it? I loved it. It was something different. Um, I was thrown straight into the deep end. Knew nothing about obviously memberships, logistics, computers in general. Being a country kid. Um, and I didn't know anything about dress shoes or slacks. I had to wear like, <laughs> and I'm like, what am I wearing here? Like coming to work. Like I used to work at like um, sports scene or um, now Intersport uh, in Rockhampton. I was just working there, just obviously wearing runners and socks and, and a polo and run, run tra- training shorts. So coming to that, to this, I was like, what am I doing? Full corporate attire. Oh, I've gone from obviously bogan time and then to yeah. the dream time with um, <laughs> obviously the, the, the business side of things. So. No, it was a really different transition, but I loved every minute of it. Did it give you a bit more of a perspective on how hard you wanted to train and how you probably didn't want to be sitting up there and you wanted to be down there full time as well? For sure. I, I massively realized on how lucky I was to be able to play rugby league as a sport, but also a job. Um, loved every minute being outside, but I'm a bit antsy and I get a, a bit jittery at times. And I always wanted to be up and down and me sitting at a table and a desk every, like from nine to nine to four, nine to five was um, pretty, um, yeah, it was pretty boring at times. I used to go up all the time just to say I was going to the toilet, but it was just to go for a walk Yeah, um, and then come back and then go again. But I, I was probably doing that at least every <laughs> hour or so. So yeah. they, they probably caught on eventually, but <laughs> yeah, it was just a different transition. Like I went from work, jumped on the train to, from um, obviously Richmond to Glen Ferry and stayed at Swinburne University with some of my mates that were playing 20s at the time as well. So yeah, it was a good uh, learning curve and um, something I, I'm, I'm really thankful I sticked out. That's awesome, man. I didn't know that. Do many people know that story? Nah, not many people probably know that story at all. Everyone probably thought I'd come down here with um, a lot of money. And, yeah, uh, and no, that's that, what but, I love about doing these is you just, 
you find the gems and the reality of how hard it is at the start and how hard you've worked to get to where you are. And everyone thinks it's just, you know, it's not everyone. I shouldn't say everyone, but people don't understand, uh, me included. And that's what I love about having these chats. That's, that is gold. And I think it's maybe something that, or oh, it is, Storm do that, don't they? They they put blokes to work for two weeks, don't they? All the first years, is that yep, right? Yep, for sure. First two weeks, um, obviously the preseason, start gym at five o'clock, finish by six, 6.30, and then you get all your work gear on and go and work till 2.30, 3 o'clock, and then you come back and train. You get work Monday, Tuesday, you have training off, but then you do the full big day of work. So you go from like whatever time you start work, maybe eight o'clock. Wow finish at like five then instead of being two or something because it's a big day, a work day, and it goes for that five days and then you train obviously Saturday and then go roll around and you, 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 the first week everyone's all up and about and loving it and oh, yeah, yeah, like, like really excited about preseason. And then you come back and you just watch the boys just absolutely go apple crumble from about Tuesday, Wednesday. It just slides very massively. They're very quiet and they just can't wait to to put the tools down. Are they all on the tools or are they like doing membership as well? Like is there any corporate or are they all kind of on the tools? No, nah, all labouring, um, all tools. Oh, um, we'll have to get Milwaukee to yeah, uh, get Milwaukee. sort them out. They've probably already got the Milwaukee tools no, down there. Let's be fair. Can... Nah, so they're all the, like obviously Robbo, Peter Robinson from the club, Brian Phelan, they've got obviously – Laborers, or they've got construction workers, or they've got concreting, or they've got oh, so it's hard labor, hard labor. They're digging holes in that. And, oh, yeah. Man, so they, they, I'm not too sure how hard they, how hard they work, but um, you can definitely tell the ones that worked really hard because they come back and there's <laughs> yeah, they've fallen asleep. But they, they have to go through meetings and all that as well. Yeah. So a lot of the younger boys, um, <laughs> for sure, I've seen a lot of some of the younger boys dozing off, and you just hear belly ache blowing up, going <laughs> belly open your eyes, like <laughs> okay, like obviously two weeks of hard labor. Some of these people are doing it for like their whole lives, you know. Oh, yeah. So you got, they, uh, he just does that for more of an appreciation on how lucky some of the younger boys are coming through that. Like you're doing this as a job as well as obviously as you've always wanted to do it as a kid, but you just got to show how hard it is like to be able to stay here. Do the boys come with some funny stories from work? Like obviously they'd be they'd be hating it, but like they oh. come, do, they, do you guys like, you know, just hand your day being boys? <laughs> oh, I don't want to run it in too much because obviously I did it 10 years ago. Um, it, was, it was dog shit, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember loving, like watching the boys come back because some of the boys got nice little hands and yeah, yeah. they haven't ripped any skin off and you can just yeah. see there's blisters and there's <laughs> skin peeling off and you can just see how like they've got dirt all over them and yeah it's uh, it's 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 a very very good eye opener just to see some of the young fellas that I haven't probably never worked a hard day in their life to. Mm. See how hard it is for some people that do it about six o'clock in the morning sometimes to oh, yeah. six at night, you know. So yeah, it's um yeah, it's something that they appreciate, I'm sure. No, nah, we love all the tradies and anyone out there that gets up that early. Oh, it's tough. Oh, and yeah. and you see it like not only that, like I got a mate, me mate Benny, he lives up in Goldie there, and um he goes to the gym at four thirty, then he's a sparky, so he goes to work, then he'll come home and he he's playing footy, so he goes to footy train and but by eight o'clock he's twitching on the couch, he's gotta go to bed. They just Works so hard, the tradies, and you just got so much appreciation. So I think it's good what Storm, like amazing what Storm does. I'm surprised not a lot. Of, like, I haven't heard many other clubs do that. Do you know anyone else that does that? No, I don't. I haven't heard anyone obviously come to our club from different clubs. And You'd say, think I just, someone would steal the, because you know, Storm's a very successful club. You'd think people would steal it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they probably would or they probably toss it up. But you know, I guess it all depends on the playing group too, you know. Yeah. Like if the playing group want to buy into it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – Belag had so much success at the club that everyone just goes, "Yep, we'll do it." Yeah. No dramas. We want success. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it just probably stills that hardness and um, just shows them like how hard preseason really is for our club. Yeah, back to Belag. So you're calling him Belag, which I find hilarious. Right? <laughs> I think you said it earlier. I just didn't really understand it, but now I get it. You've got a great relationship with him. You two 
Um, I've heard that, you know, you can go as hard as you want at each other. It's, it's a, it's a real love, hate, mainly love, but you guys can, you know, probably say things to each other because your relationship's so strong. Um, how have you formed your relationship over the years to get to the point where you can comfortably sit here and call him Ballyache? Oh, I've, I've probably called him a lot worse than Ballyache. <laughs> um, but, oh, look, it's been a long going, um, thing, I guess there's that mutual respect, um, and what you've done as well, um. Probably took me probably three or four years, but in saying that, I was pretty cheeky and confident kid coming through. Um, uh, but I think what was a real thing that obviously respectful thing, um, he obviously, you probably don't too many people have heard this and some people have, but first, obviously, um, I was playing really good footy for Queensland Cup. Um, finally got my opportunity to play um, a trial game in Griffith against the Raiders and I was single at the time and uh, I was rooming with Ron Hinchcliffe at the time and got a match on Tinder, went out for a bit and then come back about midnight. I tried to sneak in and um, I, I don't think I woke Hinchy up whatsoever, but next morning I was obviously telling the boys, bragging about it, like saying I was out and rah-rah-rah. And I just remember, uh, I didn't realise, but Belek supposedly apparently was behind me. Didn't say anything, didn't say anything, and then waited until I played the trial to see how it'd go. I was dog shit at trial, um, like probably one of the worst games I played. Uh, I think I knocked the ball on a couple of times. And I was playing on the wing in that game and tried to take the down the down the sideline, try to burn the winger. and. I had a lot of space and um, he ended up grabbing me like maybe five meters up once I went past him and took me in the touch. And anyway, so after the game's finished, I thought, I was like, oh yeah, that's another game going dusted. Um, probably won't get picked again this year. And then I just remember him just yelling my name out in front of the boys and just started giving it to me, calling me like all these sorts of names and said, you need to fucking get your preparation sorted and all your, and get your, your mind on the job. And either you want to play rugby league and you go fucking dig holes back home in Rockhampton because well, I'm not having you at this club if you're going to keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, wow. And then I finished. So he kept spraying me. And then a couple of co like a couple of physios come up to me and goes, man, are you all right? I'm like, oh, yeah, well, what's up? He goes, oh, man, that's one of the biggest sprays like he's given someone for a while. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine, mate. I'm <laughs> water for duck's back. <laughs> and then I went over to the members and like we got my gear and the members, some of the members started to console me and go, are you all right? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, my way, we heard every word he said <laughs> over there. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's fine. It is what it is. It's, it's good. I, I need that probably kick up the ass. And, like, oh, yeah, okay, that's all I was in, all good then. And then, yeah, I just didn't think much of it. Um, but now looking back on it, I'm kind of glad he gave me that kick up the ass. Like, I was, it was like, like I said, a water for duck's back. And obviously things have gone on further and done some silly stuff. But um, there's respect that we both had for each other. And um, I'm able to pretty much boys call him everything he's my dad. Um, but yeah, this is like respect and um, we have for each other. And just obviously, when I have something that I think that's gone past that he should be probably pulling up or, or vice versa, he thinks that, or he'll come up to me and give me some wise words on my training, or or what what were you thinking in the game, and um, and obviously when he needs to give me a spray or tell me that I need to work on things, he's not afraid to tell me, and um, I really appreciate that from a coach, and not only the person from being a coach, he's probably more looking out as a person that he wants everyone to succeed and be good at what they do, and and not. Um, ruin their career or just go past their career just being a mediocrity player and just being okay with certain things and um, I think he just wants the best for everyone and, um, he, and like you said you get more out of you get more out of the game if you put all, all your into it and if you're not going to put all your, your mind into it you might as well go do something else that you enjoy so that's something that I really resonates with me really well from him and that's why I probably I play I play hard and then I probably um, I'll feel it hard as well you know party hard as well so um, that's just my mindset. Um, it's things that if you're going to do something, you might as well do the, the hardest and the most, I guess, most ability. You've got to be able to put it all into it and, and put your whole life into it. And if you want to do that, then you're going to get succeed at some certain stage of your life. 
You mentioned father figure. Do you think you'd be where you are today without him? Nah, I don't reckon I will be. Um, just with the stuff that he's mentored me with um, and the way he's obviously gone about his thing with the game, I, I'm not having to go with any other coaches in the competition, but um, if, I'm so grateful to be able to go to the Melbourne Storm at a certain age that I was able to do and develop as a player and as a person because I had some rough edges. I was like, I was very um, genuine and um, I was very led very easily in certain spots. And, um, and yeah, like I said, um, he guided me in the – the person and the pathway that I needed to go. And um, if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have the career that I would have had, um, let alone probably still being in the game. So, I, yeah, I owe him a lot um, and I'm just thankful that he's on for another year. Now, we've just you've given him a great plug there, which is which is why you call him Balliate because you love him to, to bits. Let's go to some moments where you've <laughs> you've had your run-ins or some funny encounters because I've heard you two do have a fair, you know, few, few, few laughs and some of the other boys go, geez, I couldn't say that. But you've got that relationship and that bond clearly because of the stuff that you've been through and the things you've done on the field and, as you said, the respect. Nothing like winning uh, team success together. What are some funny things that you remember um, with, with Craig, even sprays <laughs> or, or other things, maybe like where you thought, nah, that's out of line and you've given him a, fair, fair, a serve back. Is there anything that comes to mind? Uh, there's a fair few. Um, a lot of times he obviously gives me shit all the time and um, I always just say to him, my response lately has been, just brush your teeth. Because <laughs> um, obviously when he talks and stuff, he spits. And um, there's a lot of times when you're just, you, you're spraying someone, you just can't hold it in because when he's spraying, he's really close to you. He starts spitting at you. <laughs> It's like a little python, like a, a spitting python. Um, but yeah, he's oh, he's he's so passionate. It's um, it's just I can't hold it in. Sometimes I just start laughing. But um, there's a fun one where I wasn't at me. It was at one of my old roommates, Joe Stimson. Um, we we're in Bali. He fell off his bike. Um, broke. I think he broke something in his hand, and he had to have surgery on it. And that was the off season, and he had to come back. And obviously, he got the surgery done. Um, and we, I remember coming back into the first preseason uh, meeting, and obviously gave us shit about getting an accident. And then he goes. Munster, you're a fucking idiot for fucking jumping on a bike in the first place in Bali. But it's Joe, you fucking ate the bike because he come back that big. He's just come at him and he's gone, mate, you fucking eating the bike now. And he's like, you fat fucking. Uh, oh, mate, everyone, just, everyone in the room just lost it. And uh, we, we, yeah, we couldn't, um, we couldn't hold it together. But just those things, like he's just, he's just off his head sometimes. Um, and he, whatever comes to the top of his head, he's uh, just says it. He just says it. And then it. he walks out apparently and just starts laughing with the he boys. He loves like, it. So, yeah. It's so good. Like if he, if he says something and it's a joke and no one laughs, he laughs at his own, but he always laughs at his own jokes. He thinks it's funny. Um, so yeah, but then also too, um, I give him shit sometimes because some of the guys in our, in our game, like obviously have very hard pronunciations of their last name and yeah. he gets them wrong all the time, all the time. <laughs> and like, and I just sit there and just start giving it to him about it. And, um, <laughs> he just starts losing and starts swearing at me and, and yeah, no, mate, then every time it's a long ongoing joke for the week, if you get someone's name wrong for the week <laughs> of the plan. I just, I just, I just say that in front of him and we'll walk past him and that. I just say the way how he says it. So, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a good, good accountability for the cocker. Yeah. It's, he needs to be put in line. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, no, and he's the most tightest bloke in rugby league too. Oh yeah. He won't. Wouldn't, wouldn't shout if a shark bit him. Wouldn't shout if a shark bit him. So, um, yeah, like he's got obviously things that he owes people money and that. It was the funniest thing ever. It was the best thing I've seen. Harry Grant obviously had five, well, what would it mean about 50 odds? Gave him $50 odds. Um, to um, kick the ball and hit the crossbar. And Billy goes, yeah, I'll take you. Kicked it, hit the crossbar, and he, he didn't pay him for almost four months. 
<laughs> it was only 50 bucks. Oh, it was only 50 good. bucks. He just goes, $50, like 50 bucks. He goes, yeah, I'll take you 50 bucks. It was a long, long, odd, like long shot odds to Harry to hit it, hit it, hit the crossbar. Mate, took him four months to pay 50 bucks and he's, the bloke's on 1.6 million a year. <laughs> that's probably being generous. He wouldn't get out of bed for that, but <laughs> yeah. like, that's just how tight he is. Oh, mate, that's um, that's very funny. And I don't think a lot of, like I know we're sitting here taking the piss, but that that relationship with your coach is, um, is, is special. You know, like you don't get, so a lot of coaches you'd think, they're, they're, you know, they're one of the other relationships, but then they, but when they give a spray, they then sometimes walk around the facility for a couple of days and they're real grumpy and everyone stays away where it sounds like, you know, Craig can, he, he has, takes the last, has it, you know, takes the piss pretty quickly and the boys don't feel too scared. Is that, is that the right observation or the boys still a bit rattled? Well, I reckon it depends on the person. Um, obviously a lot of people are a little bit different. Like I'd probably get more um, out of a spray. Um, and some of the other younger boys probably need a little bit of nurturing. And, and does uh, he put it? Does he put his arm around those guys? And he knows how to kind of. That's why he's such a good coach. He knows who to push and who not to. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the reasons why we do that. Um, obviously, that IDQ camp. Um, I don't quit camp where you obviously don't sleep for two and a half days. Do a lot of work. Do a lot of like hills or do a lot of like stairs at Crown just to try and get your mental capacity and start getting fatigued in it. Um, and just to see what you do under pressure and. Um, just to see how you cope with pressure and, and see how you go with like demands and listening and, and how you cope with copping a spray, you know, like from the, from the guys that run it, they might, they might spray you in a certain area and it just all depends on how you respond. Like if you respond, like I oh, happened and then start working harder, then obviously he knows that you can handle the spray. And then the other guys are like, well, if they can't and they go onto their shell, that's where he knows, okay, he reckons those two and a half days shows him more about the person than their whole life, you know? So he gets a lot out of that, and um, that's something that really opened my eyes about is how he can obviously change with certain people, and he has that uh, ability to be able to adapt to, to certain personalities, and I think that's what makes him such a great coach. And, um, yeah, I'll be lucky to have him, and it's one of the reasons why I stayed for the next four years. Well, let's talk about that. There was a big decision. We'll go back to your career, but I want to go to this question now because there was a big decision where a lot of um, – Wayne Bennett was the he's the head coach, and – big money on the table and your name was popped up um, and everyone probably thought you were going to leave uh, on the outside. There's a huge, you know, a huge buzz. The media was going crazy um, and you're a loyal man and you stayed. Talk to us about what was going on in that period. Were you ever going to, like, not that you, were you, yeah, were you ever going to potentially go or was it like you were always staying? You just obviously, um, yeah, the media got their, you know, media got such big platforms. They put that out there and you had to Wait till you sign to squash it. Like, talk to me about that whole experience. Yeah, it was a crazy experience. Um, we obviously, had, I did the positives and the negatives with both, obviously, contracts. And um, I would have been the most highest paid player of the game if I signed the contract. Um, and it was over a four-year period. And um, I probably wouldn't have to half work again, if that's to be completely honest, if I did right with the money and, and that kind of stuff. And looked at the positives, obviously, a lot of money, but then also comes a lot of pressure and um, being the marquee player, which I would, would have loved to have been um, at the Dolphins and going back to Queensland where I hopefully will finish up um, my life well, once I finish my career and hopefully in Melbourne and, and be a one-colour player and, and go from there. But that's something that I mean myself and my partner really want to move back up to Queensland at, at the end of our ne uh, the next chapter in our life if we're able to, um, if we're financially stable enough. And this obviously that was the lifestyle that we wanted to have our kids and nippers and, and all that kind of stuff and, and sunny coast and around that area of Brisbane and um, yeah, that was that was a, obviously the positive. The negative was I went to Noosa uh, with my partner and and kid. Uh, well, I didn't have kids at the time. She was pregnant with her first, but 
Um, just how much rugby league's massive up in Queensland. Uh, I forgot um, how much you're in the limelight up there. And uh, I remember having a feed at Noosa um, Surf Club and it, it, went, it went cold. Like my missus was taking photos nonstop. And by the time I got down to eat my food, it was already cold, you know. <laughs> so that just showed me like where I, oh, like I wouldn't be able to live to life. I'd be able to live down here and be able to just go to a cafe and chill out and spend time with my family. And I know there's obviously positive and highs and lows about being popular and, and being able to obviously be a fan for a kid. And I was a kid as as a fan watching up to some of the blokes that played the game, but still got to live your life. And I felt like I wouldn't be able to do that up there and it was going to be too hectic a lifestyle. And um, I probably got surrounded by the, the the fame and everything. I felt like I can just do my own thing down here. And um, obviously the positives for Melbourne was being a one-club player. Um, still a competitive team. We made the prelim this year, which was obviously a great stepping stone for us as a club. Uh, I know we wanted to obviously be in the big dance, but for such a young group, I felt like we we – we we done a lot better than I thought we would have, which was was which was put like a positive sign, but also pleasing. So only going to get better next year with all the experience that the younger boys have had. And um, yeah, obviously spoken to the club. Um, I went down to Sydney and spoke to my manager, Brayton Astor, and I was signed, sealed, delivered to the Dolphins. I shook his hand and said, "I'm done. Um, I'm going." And he oh, was so like, "You said you were going to go." Yeah, I was going to go. Yeah, I was um, I was one foot through the door, um, and I almost my whole whole body through the door, and then. I just remember watching the grand final um, against Penrith and um, who was it? Who was it? Uh, Para. And I watched how Penrith, how much success they had and um, they won a grand final again this year. But last year I just wanted to be in that position and be where they were again. And um, I felt like I wouldn't be able to, it would be a bit more of a rebuild kind of thing at the Dolphins. And I, in those four years, I probably wouldn't have made finals, you know? So. I was like, I don't really want to be jeopardizing that it, for the money. Um, I felt like I'd rather have the next four years playing finals footy than earning probably, I probably would have lost almost up to two and a half, three million, if that makes sense. And yep. I was like, nah, don't worry about it. The money's not everything. I'd rather be happy. And um, I decided, I spoke to my mom and she was happy for me to stay in Melbourne and want to be a one club player. I remember telling her as a kid, uh, if I got the opportunity to play NRL footy, I would want to stay with one club. Um, and I got the opportunity to obviously sign a security deal four years and, and hopefully see it out more than these four years and hopefully keep playing the style of footy I want to play. But yeah, and my missus was over the moon that I decided I wanted to stay. She was happy for whatever we wanted to do, but um, she was she was loving Melbourne um, and she wanted to obviously be at the club. Um, it's a very family club and the culture is r- ridiculous here and um, that's something that made me want to stay. And uh, when you got blokes like Bellyache and um, Frank and the coaching staff that are willing to do anything they can, to have you play the best footy you can and succeed, and I was more than happy to to lose the money. Yeah, oh, well said, mate. It's a test to your character. You're a good fella, and the loyalty you've shown it's um it's why the storm is so good. You're so much. There's so many players that have gone before you, and obviously there's some guns coming through as well. So yeah, it'd be yeah, it wouldn't be the same without the the money man hanging around. I uh, <laughs> must say, the boys love you in the locker room when you speak to them. Um, let's talk, go back to your career. Um, you know, you, you're now at the storm, like you said, you, you got your opportunity. Where was your breakout moment where you go, I've arrived, um, and shit, this is, uh, this is, this is everything I dreamed about. Yeah. Well, I got the opportunity to play my debut game in 2014. Um, so obviously got injured in, um, in origin. Um, and I remember playing only in my game with Cameron Smith cause, um, Cooper Cronk broke his wrist, but. I think it was 2016 when I felt like I made it um, or felt like I was I'm, I believed to be there. Um, one game of 14, um, I think eight or nine maybe games in, in 15, um, 
but I felt like we still made a prelim that year um, against the Cowboys. I ended up winning that competition. Um, but yeah, I felt like 16. We made the grand final against the Sharks. Um, just lost the last couple of minutes in the grand final, and that was my first probably full year. Um, and yeah, I felt like that was I was playing fullback at the time, and um, a testament to Cooper and Smithy. They obviously changed the game plan and the structures and footy style that we wanted to play for my my kind of style. And um, yeah, look, it was um, it ended up working well first that year. Um, I know Billy's a lot different player to myself, and um, yeah, they just changed structures and certain plays and. Um, to be able to adapt to myself and, um, yeah, ended up making me a better player than I thought I ever was going to be. And, um, yeah, and then we made the grand final that year. We lost to the Sharks, um, which was disappointing um, com- compared to the, obviously, not knowing like, we won minor premiership yet, by minor premiers that year. And um, I thought for sure I was very confident going in the game that we could win that. And um, this shows when you're too confident at times, it can go the other way. So that was that was something that really stuck with me and really hurts to this day. Um, or what if kind of moment. Um, but then 2017, um, I, had, I was playing fullback at the time, but Bill come back um, and Blake Green was a 5'8 at that time and he ended up going um, to another club. And I had a lot of anxiety um, knowing that I've played so well in 15 and 16 and then obviously a guy like Brilly Slater comes back and an immortal of, of his position, immortal, will be immortal of the game, the way he's changed fullback as a, as a, as a sport and, and as a position. But... I just know I had so much anxiety. I went and seen Matty Johns. Um, he was an attack coach for us at the time with Cooper. And oh, I had so much jitteries and I was so nervous about changing position because I was so foreign. I, I used to play 5 when I was a kid, but it's a little bit different to play in NRL. So when I changed to 5'8", I was like, I had goosebumps and <laughs> I was so nervous. And I think the first couple of times I went and trained with Matty, obviously Matty was a great of the game as well. And I, I think I threw, I think I literally threw two or three balls on the ground <laughs> when I was training with him. He's, you know, I remember him saying in the potty going, fuck. Storm's no hope. Um, <laughs> and then um, I remember just going, oh, my God, what am I doing? Um, and then I, I guess the more I got into the year, uh, it was probably one of the best seasons the club's had for a long time. Um, we only lost, I think, three or four games in the regular season. And um, some of them games obviously were through origin period, so a lot of younger boys come through and played. And, yeah, ended up playing um, my first origin game in a decider in Brisbane. Um, and we ended up winning that game um, and ended up holding the, holding the shield up and, had one of the best probably debuts or best games of my life, to be honest. Um, that's when I felt like I deserved to be in that game and in the arena and, and rugby league as well. And I was still kicking and pinching myself going, I've, I've played the game of my life and it's in, in the biggest game of the year and um, against the best of the best of each, obviously, state. And and then that obviously rolls around. Played um, played in the grand final against the Cowboys. Uh, Michael Morgan um, pretty much carried Cowboys on his back with Tom Malolo for that year and because JT got injured. So he obviously didn't play the grand final. So it could have been a different story if JT played. But I just remember we won that game pretty convincingly. I think it was 34, 34 36 something to six. Um, so, yeah, I remember this. Remember that year being the most dominant year the Storms had for, for obviously remembers the dates. I'm pretty sure every time I speak to someone that 2017 team was, was one of a kind. And then... 2018, uh, it was a bit of a great year for myself. Obviously, Cooper went to the Roosters. Um, I won play my first play of the year or a year for the Storm, um, but kind of hindered the year. We made the grand final against the Roosters um, against our, one of our old teammates, Cooper, and um, to this day is a bit of a nemesis now um, <laughs> for leaving. Uh, what could have been to been back to back finals, but if he stayed. But in saying that, I probably played the best year of my life, um, and obviously so many highs in that year. 
to go to um, a grand final where the Roosters were a, lot, a big dominant team and um, they pretty much played us off the park the first 20 minutes of the game and we were chasing our coattails and, and we were nowhere near in, in the game that we needed to be in and we, we lost that game the first 20 minutes but I remember getting sent for 10, trying to hold someone down the first 20 minutes and uh, or 25 minutes there and I got sent for 10 and then obviously the pressure and all the um, stuff that amounted on the game uh, we were the game was done and dusted, um, and I had a bit of bra- like a brain explosion and a, and a bit of a brain fart, um, and obviously just like lashed my leg out a little bit to Joseph Manu, and um, I barely I didn't touch him, but it, lo- it, lo- it didn't look good, and um, it looked like I tried to kick him in the head, and um, yeah, it just went from that moment, and that's just that snowball back, snowball of, of effective pressure, and I ended up getting sent for ten, so I ended up having the most sin bins in a grand final, so. It's a bit of history there for me as well. So I'm in the, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the history books, but little trivia question there for yeah. the trivia night. But um, yeah, look, it's um, now looking back at it, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, I had a great year. Um, everything was going well for me, and then everything can just be taken from you in, in a split second, and kind of changed a lot of perception and, and that about myself um, around the game and being called a grub. But I ended up just yeah, just going back to work and what worked for me, and trying to get back to the style of footy I know I can play, and not playing that. That grubby style of footy, I've had some moments more that in the years come by, but um, yeah, and then obviously 19, um, which was another good year. We had a really good successful year, similar to 17, but we bailed out against against the Roosters and they went, they went back to back. And then 20 was obviously COVID. Um, yeah, look, it's um, it's something that I'll, I'll, that year I'll remember for a long time. Um, obviously won a grand final against Panthers and 26-20 uh, and um, now they look at the way they've been playing their footy in that um Get a bit of um, obviously they've been doing so such a great stuff um, for the last four years and, and what kind of side they are and they'll go down as probably one of the great team team teams that probably ever played our game now and um, we were able to beat them in 2020 and and then had a great 2020 series where everyone thought uh, we had the worst Queensland um, Queensland team of all histories and um, we ended up beating a team that was star studded lineup and um, yeah look uh, I take that. I take that to to the grave of me saying that I obviously won the Wally Lewis medal that year and um, that was probably one of my most breakout years of, of obviously consistent footy and um, yeah, look, that's something that I will go to my grave with of 2020 and I'm sure a lot of people will remember the year because of COVID at that time as well and the year that got away for me is 2021. Um, we 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 matched the most consecutive games won in, in a season by 16, uh, I think it might have been 20 actually. With the St George team um, from nineteen sixty something, so well, the, we were obviously matched it with them, and then um, played against the Panthers that we never thought we would play play in a, pre- a preliminary final. We, was, we thought we would have played them in the grand final, but ended up playing them a week earlier than expected due to the fact that um, South played really good footy against them the week before, um, and then we played out in Suncorp and just literally thought um, I thought nothing could go wrong for us, um, and I thought. We had the year sewn up and I was pretty confident with the players we had. Um, and, yeah, just unfortunately things didn't go our way. We lost by two points or might have been four points. And then now that obviously that year's done, you've just shown how dominant now the Penrith Panthers are. And it's a year that's gone by for us and that's something that, that year still haunts me to this day. If there's any years that I thought we we deserved to win it, if not, um, it was one of the years that anyone could have won that competition. And, um, unfortunately, we played our worst game in the most crucial year, the most crucial game of the year. And, um, yeah, and then 2022, um, good year for Queensland. Um, probably one of my best years. Um, we'll probably dive into a bit more um, with me, obviously, getting in trouble in 2021. And then 
not drinking alcohol for a year in 2022 and um, probably had one of my most consistent standout years and I was lucky enough to win the player of the year again for the Storm and, yeah, it was something that I look back on and go, wow, um, adversity and um, no one really gave me a chance to play the footy I could play in 2022 and proved a lot of people wrong um, and, um, yeah, obviously this year uh, was a bit of an up and down year consistently for myself but hoping, hoping to find form for 2024. No, I appreciate you recapping that because there's a lot in there. And now we've just given everyone a great snapshot of, you know, your career to this point. But let's go back to um, 2020, like mm-hmm. the the COVID year. You did bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. Um, you know, you, you talk about, let's go state of origin. You know, you, you talked about being the king, but. <laughs> Not me. No, nah, but like just state of origin in general. I want to know what, like, what does it feel like to just perform on the big stage, it's such a different concept. Like, like, as I said, AFL background over here for all the NRL listeners and and obviously love all sports, but state of origin is something that I feel like NRL do it better than anyone could do and uh, everyone watches it. It's a big event. It's like having three grand finals. Um, <laughs> it's massive. And uh, you consistently perform really well and you're representing Queensland. Like, what does it mean to to play in those games? And and do you get a little bit more nervous? Like, because you, I don't know, watching you, you don't look nervous. You look like you're the calmest bloke on the field. Yeah, I think um, I think with Billy Slater being our coach, he's obviously a former um, Origin great. Um, and just the way he instills belief and confidence in you. And um, as a kid, that's all I wanted to do was watch, obviously I watched footy as a kid um, and, and, and obviously State of Origin. And I remember just watching Queensland play and, how much pride and passion they had for the jersey, and I'm sure New South Wales are the same. And just every time I don that maroon on, I just feel ten foot tall. You know, um, I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm more comfortable in that arena than a probably rugby league game. And you know, um, don't know why, but I just feel more relaxed. And I just play the style of footy that I like to play. I guess the referee pulls, doesn't blow the whistle as much. He lets the game go and flow. And um, yeah, I guess. I just, I'm a more of a grinder, worker kind of man. And I guess when people start getting tired, that's when I start to be able to shine a little bit better in, in certain stages of the game. And I don't really think about it too much. I just play what's in front of me. And at times it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I'd rather go at the end of the game going, oh, well, that didn't work. I'll go again. Where I'd rather be sitting there going, yep, I did everything I can instead of being, oh, what if I did this? Yep. What if I did that? comes off it comes off if it doesn't then I'd, I'd, I'll bite the, the bullet and, and, and cop the criticism from everyone around the game that it wasn't the right idea or wasn't the right thing to do and I'd rather someone having a go at me about trying something than just sitting there and not trying at all you are that's what they say you're unpredictable you're hard to plan against they don't even think you know what you're doing half the time that's how good of a player you are in, in situations and, and, and generally they are big moments and you've proven that on the biggest stage what's it like when you win state of origin you're the man of the match you've just won the series for your for your state you know these are things you, as a kid like you, you grow up to, to do and you're doing it and the po- you know the post-match interview you can see the the lady who comes over with the microphone and says you know Cam, congratulations! You've just won State of Origin, and you're the man of the match. Like, do you do you ever sit back and reflect and go, "Fucking hell, this is this is crazy." Yeah, sometimes I think, "Fuck, were they watching the game?" Sometimes, <laughs> um, but um, no. Nah, look, it's a, like it's so it feels so great knowing that I did everything I could to obviously win the game for Queensland, and then they've obviously seen um, things in the game that I was able to do and. And and the, obviously the judges the the judges have been the three two one and they think I was the best player and it gives me a lot of joy knowing that um, having my last name on the back of my jersey and 
being able to see um, all these Queensland fans and um, just obviously shouting out Queenslander, Queenslander, and no one I've won the the Player of the Year also Player of the Year, Player of the Match, and just gives me like so much confidence knowing that um, I've got a great team around me to be able to do that. Um, and some of the boys sometimes probably play a lot better, harder working game than myself, but because of the moments that I've been able to to achieve or be able to execute, they don't get those moments. And I think at the moment, like this year, we it showed. Like our middle, most of our middle forwards won um, won a lot of the player of the matches this year, and that just shows why. And they've done so much work in the middle for us as players on the edges to be able to execute. And um, some of those moments that I was able to execute was because of those guys found doing the foundations for us in the middle. And um, yeah, look, it's um, it's something I still pinch myself about, um, especially in 2020 with some of the stuff that I was able to achieve and and able to do. When you're playing with What's it like? There's so, there's so much to dissect in our state of origin because you got t- you got your teammates. So you got Storm, right? And I know like Pappy, you know, New South Wales. Mm. Um, you know the the hate between New South Wales and Queensland's as high as it can get, kind of in sport these days. But your teammates, you love each other. You know, you're as close as you get. But for those those few weeks that you, you don't like each other, and um. You know, you got to go up against your teammates, and you got to, you know, you're representing your state, and you like. How do you approach these games? Do you like start to shift your mindset and say, "I now hate you," even though I'm going to love you in a few weeks because I'm going to go back on the, you know, climbing the hill to try achieve greatness and win a win another premiership. Like, what's it like? Because yeah, it's just unfamiliar territory for anyone in the AFL industry, to be honest. And when they have done these things in the past, it's been a bit of a you know, bruise-free kind of game where it's more entertainment, but this is like, this is serious. So I want to know what it's like. Yeah, it's funny, Tommy. Um, I remember like obviously a week out or maybe two weeks out before the game's or first game or second game and obviously the blokes are in contention and I just remember some of the boys in their team just like obviously go from New South Wales, there's a fair few of them, um, just start getting real negative and real dirty and ruthless <laughs> to you and start calling you dogs and like start like getting really – Really angry personal. and that. really personal. And I'm just like, hang on, hey, hey, hey. It hasn't been picked yet. I'm not playing yet. Like, <laughs> just, be, just be careful. Um, but then we obviously got some Fijian boys, Papua New Guinea boys, Kiwi boys, and nine times out of ten, the Kiwi boys and the Fijian boys are all on the Queensland train and um, and the Papua New Guinea boys. And I think a lot of the New South Wales boys get the shits about it and get the, get angry about it because obviously there's more – Polynesian kids on our side of in our team and in our game, and um, I'm sure there's a lot of Polynesians that obviously follow New South Wales as well. And um, the game's so massive, but a lot of the boys in our team that aren't from New South Wales, but are more like from Fiji or Papua New Guinea or um, New they Zealand, pick Queensland. They pick, most of them pick Queensland, and um, <laughs> they get the shits about it. Um, and Samoans as well. And I know Youngy Tomapay is a, a Blues man, but um, there's a couple of boys that are Samoan and, and Tongans and that, and they're more Queensland. So. Yeah, it's a bit of a icy situation and that, and there's always chat getting thrown around, especially on game day and our storm WhatsApp and oh, even on game day of origin, like, and, like go shit yesterday, boys yeah, or whatever. Like, yeah, good luck, boys. I hope you lose. And, <laughs> um, it's the same as like they obviously the day of the sad origin on Wednesday, they have like people wear wear your blue or wear your maroon, and um, yeah, most of the time it's um more majority of Queensland, and yeah, there's a lot of questions getting thrown around about obviously bandwagons and turncoats, so. Yeah, it's a, it's a great concept, a set of origin, and it's always a good debate. And, um, yeah, I'm sure the boys, like Paps and that, yeah, they get pretty personal. When you go to the state of origin camp and they're selecting the squad, and as you know, it's the elite of elite 
New South Wales and Queensland. Is there a bit of ego going around or everyone's very uh, level, measured, good friends, um, very professional? Or is there a bit of like, you know, because as, as I said, it's a unique concept where you, you're clashing with these guys yearly and then just for that that patch of the year, you, you, your teammates and you, you're on the uh, quest to greatness of winning State of Origin. So give it, just give me the uh, insights of what it's like when you walk into camp and you see all these blokes that you're button heads with. And then they become your teammates. Yeah, no, we're uh, it's pretty good actually. We can really like switch switch it, switch it off and um, flick a switch, and boys know where they're where they do a job. Um, and we, we get we get along with so many boys in those teams. Um, very rarely um, have we ever gotten a fight or an argument with them. Um, but this year we did with Paddy Carrigan, me and Harry and um, Paddy. I think Paddy was trying to get Harry off his game a bit. It worked. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think uh, we're obviously really good mates. A lot of the Brizzy boys and that. Um, and some of the boys that are from other clubs, um, it's hard sometimes. Like I've never had a run in with some of the boys, but I always try and give them stick on the, in the game um, when we're playing against each other and that. But um, it's probably more like blokes like Josh Adekar, like 2018 and 19 when I was playing, they were back. They went back to back in series wins, and I could tell like we're really good close mates, me and Ado, and um, I could tell he was very smug like when he went after the series wins, and he didn't say anything, but he just looked at me and just like. <laughs> Give me the, give me the thing, and I was just, I was burning inside, and, um, but he never like, like we, if we ever want to, if one of us ever won a series, we never, never rub it in each other's faces, you know. So, um, yeah, it's uh, one of those things where you're obviously proud of your state, but then you got to be able to flip it off and go back to playing team footy with each other, you know. So, yeah, it's one of them dynamics is hard sometimes because you know, like you played against each other, you go on a war against each other, trying to win against each other, and then you go back to being teammates. It's um. It's a weird thing and it's a weird feeling, but um, I guess being a professional athlete, you got to just try and switch that off and, and just go back to the style of footy that you both can play. When you walk in, and let's stick to State of Origin quickly, but when you walk in, I, I don't want to put you in uh, in the hot seat here, but just who's the one bloke that you just walk into camp and start laughing at? Like, who do you love seeing first? Uh, um, he's not he's not there uh, anymore, um, but I, I actually, sorry, apologies. Probably Alfie Langer. Every time I walk in there, I know if I'm picked for Origin, I, I, that's the first person I like to see and get excited about because um, he's a he's a ball of fun, Alfie. Um, there's obviously so many stories about him and how how he can control a room and chat and um, just love watching him go about his business. I would have loved to have played in his era. Um, just the way he can control a room, get everyone laughing, and um, yeah, he's he's one of a kind um, as a, as an ex player, but um, for players. At the moment, it's probably like Cherry Evans or or Ben Hunt. Um, I've had a fair bit to do with those two fossils. Um, and, um, yeah, I reckon every time I get to see them in camp, it's pretty good. Our younger boys, probably Paddy Carrigan or um, oh, Paddy, yeah, probably Paddy um, and probably um, Val Holmes. The, Val, because he's a, he's a golfer. So yeah. I know I've got a golfing buddy. Um, but then probably obviously just uh, hang out and um, talk shit too is probably Patty. Yeah, that's great. Great insight. And what about the one bloke you love going toe-to-toe with against New South Wales, you know? Is there a bloke that you love to just beat? Oh, probably not beat, but I reckon I've, I've had a pretty good rivalry with Nathan Cleary. Like uh, Ever since before the World Cup um, last year, obviously we um, respected each other and knew a lot about each other and um, – I admire the stuff that he does now, like how hard he works at rugby league and, and in his game, and it shows the last three years and how dominant he's been. But he's probably someone I like to go up against and to see where I'm at as a player and, and as a um, yeah, probably as a player. And he's one is the best player at this current moment of, the, of our game, and um, you want to be, play against the best and beat the best. And I think 
every time we go toe to toe because we're on the both si- or we're on the opposite sides of each other, playing against each other. Um, and he's on my edge, and I'm on. And I, I just think I want to try and beat him in every little effort or um, thing we can do. But it's hard to do. Um, yeah, well, he's, he's a good player. He's he? a freaky man, um, and he just showed those twenty minutes of playing against the Bronx, and, and it's probably one of the strongest displays you'll ever see in in a grand final. So. Yeah, he's something that I I reckon as a competitor I want to be be wanting to play against when it, when the times uh, when the chips are down and you want to play against someone the best of the best. I think he's he's probably one of the best. Let's go quick fire. Funniest funniest teammate you've ever played with? Funniest player ever played for. Oh Jesus! This is with any any this is any any team. Funniest. Yeah, it's gonna go quick fire here. Oh, oh, oh funniest, funniest, funniest. Ah, uh, Will Chambers. What about toughest? Ooh. Jesse Bromwich. What about fastest? Josh Adekar. Best leader? Cameron Smith. Second best leader? Dale Finnecane. Actually, he's probably the toughest bloke And as the well. best team you've played with, State of Origin and and um, and League, would it be the 17? 17, yes. Yeah, 17. There you go. 2017, yeah. The year where you had a bit of drama. We all have drama. We all the, the, the thing that sucks with athletes is drama. <laughs> everyone finds out, right? But with everyone else, they can get up to mischief. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about the drama. Talk about the comeback, the adversity. Like you said, no one gave you a chance. You made a mistake. You got in trouble um, and you had 12 months off alcohol. Uh, yes. That's what I'm more interested in because we all love a drink. We, you know, you're, you're the most likable guy in the room. You make everyone smile. You make everyone laugh. You, you can't underestimate blokes like you. I love blokes like you. you know? When you laugh, I laugh. I feel good. You feel good. <laughs> everyone feels good, right? So, but alcohol generally, that's where you might have a beer. You relax. You don't drink beer just to get pissed. You just it's a social thing. Um, and one of the things you committed to was no alcohol for 12 months after your little mishap. Talk to me about that experience and like what you had to go through. Um, and also the adversity you faced and then, you know, you, you, you hit it head on and you come back, um, even better. So talk to us about that. Yeah, it was a really tough time. Um, I think I was on the phone with the, with the owners of the club. Um, they were ready to rip up my contract. Um, they've heard it all before I'll, I'll change, I'll do this, I'll do that. But, um, I think me going to rehab for those four weeks was probably the best thing I, I ever did. Um, just more for a mental state and more just to be able to, Clear the clear, clear the, the curtains and clear the closet and just be able to just just get myself right um, in a way of just trying to figure out what's what, what's causing causing these outlets and why am I doing this and why am I doing that and it was a good it was a really good eye open on certain things on what was happening and um, yeah like I guess first two weeks was, was no phone so um, it wasn't ideal my partner was pregnant at the time so um, yes it wasn't ideally great for the family but I think looking back at it um, I'm so grateful it happened. Um, this the way I've been able to change certain things in my life and, and do things a lot differently is what I feel has made us a lot stronger as a group. Um, but yeah, obviously for four weeks there, um, come back, um, come out fit as a fiddle, um, come out guns blazing, um, smashed my, um, my yo-yo tests, um, and blitzed every record I ever had at the club. Um, and yeah, I was firing ready to go for the preseason. And then, yeah, it was tough because we had, Preseason, end of season drinks. Um, we had certain events. Um, obviously, the twenty five years. I'm pretty sure. Um, or or, or we had a lot of events during the year that I'll just go to, um, sit there and and watch um, some of my mates be silly and and not be able to interact at certain stages because obviously once they get into a certain stage of drinking and you can't tolerate them anymore. Yeah, yeah and you know yeah. what I mean. Like you can sit there and just go, oh yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> you can't. You're not on that level to be yeah. able to be able to handle they're, what they're talking about and they talk in gibberish. And I'm going to myself. 
fuck, am I am I always like this? Like, <laughs> like what are they fucking doing? Like, but um, but yeah, no, nah, it was good. Like I, I would be able to leave at certain stages of the night, and they didn't have any FOMO. For surprisingly, for a bloke like myself, I always had FOMO going through, coming through the grades. Um, never wanted to miss out. Um, so yeah, it was I just realized like there was more to life than um, just doing what I was doing, and obviously I had my son and that, and now I've got a different why in, in my life, but. It was tough, like the first 12 months, but I think the first three or four months was the toughest. Being able to just, to, like I had the mental strength and obviously of not going and going, nah, I'm done, done. Because I've done it so long, I was like, nah, I'm not going to break it now, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think this for me, like you know, like the first three or four months was the toughest, um, just to be able to say no to people. Like I think for me, I can't say no to people. I hate like letting people down, so me being able to say the word no to people was the toughest to do. Um, and obviously, like you said, I like to be around like a lot of people that like to make them smile and be energetic and, and be able to be the person I like to be the most favorite, like, like people laugh around the room and that. But I felt like I couldn't please anyone. And I felt at times the first couple of months I was like letting everyone down because I was like the life of the party, have fun, yeah, trying to be that kind of person. And I was like, and I felt like I was letting everyone down and it was more like, um, boys are like, oh, what are you doing? Like, like, are you coming? Like, nah, mate, I'm like, oh, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, no, I'm not drinking for the next year. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. They, 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 they kind of forgot at times and they didn't believe me that I could do it. And um, yeah, now looking back at it, I had a really great year in 2022 and um, I'm honestly thinking about doing it again after December the 31st, after I get married. Yeah, right. So, that, so um, it, man, it's an amazing effort. It's funny you said that. I was just thinking about it the the other day I was a bit crook and my mates were at the pub and I said, oh boys, I'll meet you after the game. And, and I went and I just looked at like an Instagram story and they were all blind. I thought, fuck that. I'm not going down there because they're on a different level. And when, you, when you're not drinking and everyone else around you is, it's tough. It's oh. tough. Um, to do 12 months as an energizer bunny like you are, it's um, it's a great effort. And uh, I'm sure you surprised yourself. Like you said, everyone probably think you couldn't do it. You probably surprised yourself. But what was the hardest part about it? Like, you know, 12 months, like you said, four months was probably when it started to get easier. But what was the hardest part? Oh, like when the boys will have like team events or um, like a full in like team event, like everyone's going on a boat party or going on an event and it's purely to have a piss up. That was probably the toughest because I always have to show face and, and be there, you know. Like if they had like if it was a team event, like if some of those boys go, oh, we're going to this, going to the pub. Like, you want to come? I'm like, nah, I'm fine. But if there's a whole team going, that was the toughest thing, I, I reckon. Um, just because it was a social thing. Like, I, 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 like I used to always go out on weekends and that, and go have a beer and that. And that, that like, I can't, couldn't remember. I think the last time I went out, like, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. But I reckon that was the first time I've gone out with the boys at, at nightclubs or bars. Ten months. Yep. Again, like I reckon, and I, I, I ran into some of the security guards and stuff, and they're like, "Like, where have you been?" <laughs> I'm like, "Nah, mate, that's that's not me anymore. I don't come back. I don't go out that much anymore." <laughs> but yeah, no, it was just I opened it like the security guards asking me where I've been, and like I obviously had a couple of beers this year, but never went out. Yeah. You know, so it was always after games and away games, I'd drink a beer in the in the team room or or stuff like that. So yeah, it was different. Um, and I, that was, I reckon it was a tough thing for me was. Yeah, going to team events um, as a whole team um, and everyone's there blind and I'm sitting there by myself. Um, <laughs> I think that was the toughest period. But in saying that, I knew it wasn't only for myself that I needed to, to prove this wrong. It was to be able to keep my family afloat, you know. Like if I broke that, um, 
who knows where I'd be, you know? So yeah. it was a, it was a little bit of a, like, from a, like a thing from the club going like, you need to meet this. Cause we obviously, like I said, oh, I had to go back to the club with a plan. Obviously we have four weeks and now I'm not going to drink for 12 months. So if I broke that, like it goes my contract, you know? So it was not, it wasn't only myself that I was going to be hurting. It was going to be my family as well. And mm. um, I could live with it if it was myself, but knowing that the little boy, um, my partner as well at that stage, I knew it wasn't only my own life that I was hurting as well. Nah, well said. Um, oh mate, I don't know how many blokes could have done it, but like obviously you had the, you had the willpower and, like, and the contract and the agreement. What, um, and don't, and feel free not to share if it's too personal, but rehab, uh, the facility, they obviously go through a thorough process and dive deeper into why I'd imagine. Um, are there anything you can share with like the ACEs listeners and, and people, including myself of like just some tips and advice? Cause everyone does drink. Some people might be going through it tough but they're too scared to go to rehab or put their hand up. Is there anything that you could share where you'd say, oh, yeah, I definitely think you should ask yourself these questions and write, you know, and, and see if this relates to you. If so, then why are you doing that or anything like that? Yeah, like funny enough, I ended up doing like an ADHD test because at the current stage of a kid, I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD, um, but did the test and that in there and I ended up being ADHD and um, yeah, look, it was something that I was an eye-opener to, like obviously certain things like I can't, can't remember certain things. Like if you give me three or four things to do, I'll forget one or two of them, you know? So it was one of those things. Um, also too, um, haven't got the attention span to be able to, to do things that's like for so long, a bit of a goldfish moment. But um, for me, I think what changed was the diet. Like I, first couple of days I went in there, I, they obviously did a gluten-free, like vegetarian, like veggie, like vegan diet and that. And my whole, I didn't realize how bad my um, gut health or Everything was like my whole stomach was churning for like days, like first couple of days and just showed how unhealthy my, my whole body was, you know, and that was something that I really um, thought. And then my mind started to be clear, you know, so the more healthier I ate, the more my mind was clear. And my missus was like, wow, like when I got out, I was present. I was so like a different person when I got out of it. And she was like, wow, you need to keep doing this. And I was like, yeah, I know. Uh, but probably for myself, like, um, I just probably lent to certain things um, as an outlet was alcohol. Um, obviously, things as a kid, um, I had a couple of mates that committed suicide, um, and I'm sure a lot of people have had mates that commit suicide. But for me, I, I was probably more of a coping mechanism for myself if something ever bad, went bad in my life or um, I'd make myself feel better by drinking. And um, it wasn't the way that I, I've obviously spoken to about about other th things in my life. And, yeah, that was something that um, really resonated with. She was, that was pretty much an outlet of me and of me like if I feel bad or down at times, if I have a fight with someone or uh, for me, that was my way of grieving um, and was drinking and it wasn't healthy for not only myself, but um, everyone around my, around myself. And I think that was something I, I just did was, was golf and um, did things that I really enjoyed and wanted to be present. Actually, funny enough, I, they had horses there at the, um, at the re uh, rehab place in Brizzy and, didn't really, and it was like a little bit of a tour, like a bit of a chore, but not a chore, but like an um, assessment exercise they wanted me to do. And I was like, didn't really think much of it at the start. And I was like, mm. I was like, well, I don't really see how this is going to make me like any better and like what, and what I'm going to do in my life. But it just showed like horses are all always in the moment. Like, for example, if I wanted to, like the horse wanted me, I wanted to pat the horse, the horse would run away from me. Like it didn't want to borrow me. But then five seconds later, I could go and touch it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just always, it's always got different emotions, but they're always present. 
and always in the moment. And that was something that resonated with me was like being on your phone heaps, social media, how bad the drug is and how you always want that um, social media bug or, or high. Yeah, the fix, yeah. The fix. And um, I, don't, I don't have notifications on my phone anymore. Don't sit on my phone as much. Um, I'm more present with my kids and more present with certain things in my life where a lot of people probably sit on their phone and hit on their screen time and um, do all that kind of stuff. But that was something that really resonated with me a lot was like just being in the moment with the horses and the horse could love me and love me for those five seconds, but then be off me the next five, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it was just so, like obviously different personalities of horses, but um, it was just more of like a trust thing and, and just being in the moment. Like, yeah, I was just, that was something that really, really opened my eyes of one day I could go down in the morning see the horses pat them and the next day they wouldn't want to borrow me, you know, they wouldn't come up to me. It was just of being there, always in that moment of this, yeah, I just think that was something that really opened me up and I'm like, well, I want to be more present in my life with certain things I'm doing. Uh, well said, mate. And I appreciate you sharing all the things That's you right. just shared about because um, not only myself but everyone listening, we, we, we all we all grieve certain ways and, and no one's perfect and <laughs> no one has the courage to speak up like you. Not no one, I shouldn't say that. Not everyone has the courage to speak up, especially with a – profile of your of your own um and it's quite courageous to open it up because like i said a lot of people don't go to these they don't know where to look right and yep. what you just said some great tips you know some great tips um being way more present that's something that i definitely um need to be way better with you know the phone is a massive issue considering you can do everything on it you yep. know emailing contacting organizing you you know you, you you're connecting with your friends it's sometimes too hard to call so you're in whatsapp groups and then they just don't stop and eventually it's just like where did they go um so yeah you're spot on mate and that horse analogy is fantastic i can already visualize you when you <laughs> retire up in the queensland uh, once your career's done one club player with a couple of uh, ex racehorses up and <laughs> up there on a big farm or something, or near the coast there, sunny coast. That'll be you, I reckon, back when you finish up. It'd be, um, nice, to, it'd be nice to have a couple of horses, but it's probably too expensive to be honest, mate. <laughs> oh, if anyone can afford a horse, it's yeah, you. you, Tommy. Yeah. Let's talk about horse racing. You do love your horse racing. Yeah. Um, spring carnival coming up. What is uh, some of your favourite memories um, of, uh, of 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 spring carnival? Any uh, any that stand you know come front of mind. Yeah, uh, actually, funny enough, um, I was um, watching um, Humidor almost beat Winks at Cox Plate um, 2017. That was actually World Cup year. We the boys just played against England, um, and then the next day we obviously got tickets to the to the races, and uh, we're lucky enough to be in a marquee um, over watching the, the the finish line. And um, I ended up running into Regan Bayless and I'm and I'm, and Jake Bayless and that. Oh, Regan. Yeah, yeah, Re yeah, yeah Reggie. Yeah, man. Yeah, we love Regan. I um, remember running to them um, and and they got us up. They got me up to the the stewards on halfway up on the um, on the race hall, on the, the finish line. And I remember just watching it and going and watching Winks obviously win again. But it was one of the races that I remember. Um, obviously, I watched Winks other times at the Cox Plate at home. But that was the one time I thought Humidor might have got it done. You know, almost beat her. Um, at the finish line, but um, yeah, what a horse! Um, that was probably one of the iconic moments I remember. And then, obviously, finished the um, the races and um, ended up going to the iconic uh, Shane Warne Twenty Three Club here, uh, club and um, Crown. And Huey Bowman was there with uh, the silks. Oh, that's special! Of Winks the silks, and um, I, remember, I remember got a photo with him and Bill. Um, Bill was obviously a massive horse uh, horseman, and he still is. He's got his own thoroughbreds over and. Um, and Berwick there, and um, yeah, I just remember him obviously knowing Huey from time to time, and um, I was lucky enough to be rubbing shoulders with Bill so in the World Cup, and he obviously introduced me to Huey, and um, yeah, 
What a jockey and um, yeah, what a moment. HP Ham underscore one, two, three. If you could play professional golf, would you give up NRL right now? 100%. <laughs> I'll save the body. I'll be able to play, I'll be able to play sport till I'm 50 or 60. <laughs> You'd be outstanding in Arizona, I reckon. Um, <laughs> Munster, is next year our year from your dad? <laughs> from my dad, Steve? No, nah, 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 not your dad, Steve, but this, <laughs> this guy's name's your dad, underscore. He's my dad. Um, I hope so. Um, one, one better than uh, this year going past. The boys, the younger boys will be a bit more experienced and um, yeah, hopefully we can play a bit, bit better in the spawn. Uh, favorite, here we go, Cody Willie, quite unique. Favorite color of underwear? Black. Can't be white. Nah. Not the way you nah, wipe your ass. Not the way, you? not the way all the boys scrunch <laughs> and fold. If they scrunch, they'd be right. <laughs> oh, there's some funny questions that come through here. I won't ask you this one, but Frentos has written, what what porn category is your favorite? Like, come on, Frentos. Um, righto. Role play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get into it. What's it like being a king? Thanks, Cooper Guest. Uh, what do you think of the golf courses in Yarrawonga from Joshy Boz? Joshy Boz, I haven't actually played. Um, the owner of our club, Matt Tripp, is from an area of Yarrawonga, and he takes some of the boys down there to obviously experience Yarrawonga golf clubs. I've heard nothing but good things about them, but um, I, at those stages where they've gone, I've, I haven't been able to attend. Here's a good one from Movan Sharma. What would your message be to the young Broncos lads on the grand final performance? They just lost um, Cleary put on a clinic um, but you've been there, you've done it, you've, you've won, you've lost. What would your message be to those boys who might need some support and advice? Yeah, it'd be something similar to what I think Nathan said. Um, you got to win one. So you got to lose one to win one. Um, and I was, I lost one in 2016 and then won 17 and then lost 18 and then won 20. So, um, Nathan lost 20, 20 to us. And then look at his run now, he's won three in a row. And I guess you, you get, when you get to the big dance, you're just happy to be there and you want, you want to hope to win. But I think it, once you've experienced, obviously, losing one, um, it just gets that more hunger um, to want to win one. And I'm sure they'll come back bigger and better next year. And they weren't too far away from it this year. And I know they'll be kicking they, kicking themselves what, what happened, but expect a fiery Brisbane Broncos team next year. Oh, yeah. And a, and a quick and a quick side. They're great to watch. Kiana asks a really good question here. What has been the most impactful – sorry, who has been the most impactful person uh, in your career? Oh, career that is. Oh, I'd have to say probably Craig or Billy Slater, um, both of them. Um, just certain situations. Um, obviously, Craig guided me as a person I am, um, then the path I wanted to go and as a human being. And then Billy Slater, just obviously, um, just how how passionate and how driven he is, and 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 what he wants success, and he's worked hard for his success and. That's something I really admired and that's something I try and copy um, as a player of just being so competitive and working at your trade of being wanting to be the best. Speaking of Bill, the next question, Duncan Cameron, would Billy be a great head coach for Storm? And this is not being disrespectful to Ballyacre, as you would call him, but if he was to eventually stop, would Billy be the perfect replacement? I think he would be. Um, he's he knows the game better than most people. Um, he sh- has showed the success he has at Queensland. Whether he wants to do the job or not, um, I'm not putting any pressure on him. But he understand, like I said, he understands the game really well. Knows what it requires to win games, and knows what, what it is to to win grand finals and and be able to play consistently at your best. And I've never seen a guy do so much video on on players in his own team. Oh, loves it. Oh, he loves it. Um, he, he knows. He knows more. The better. Th- he knows what you do. Bef- like in games. Like, and he shows 
blokes in our origin team, like what what it shows to when you play your best game and shows what you've been doing in those games. And um, yeah, that's what I mean about belief. He just puts so much belief in, in, in people. And I'm sure if you got a hands on a, on, a, on an old team like the Storm with all the young boys coming through, you, you'll show you'll show how much improvement they've had, especially like what Beliak does with players as well. Well said, mate. One more from me before we go to Rick's Eyewear and Milwaukee Tools, our handiest moment in Rick's on tour to close it out. Um, mate, what's your best round of golf? You can't sit here with me and pot Walshy every time you come on unless you've you must be all right at golf. And I'm I, and I think you are. What has been your best round ever? What what you know, how many strokes? Had it actually last started actually started probably March, I reckon. March or May when we're around preseason time. 13th Beach, I think I hit six over. Wow. Six over. That's no one got the bug. And I uh, hit six over and I reckon I three putted the last two holes. So you had an outstanding day. I had an outstanding day and I, and I probably had a chance for both pars and I bogeyed them because I three putted. Oh, no. When did you three putt late? The last two Are you holes. looking at your scorecard? Yeah. <laughs> I, I looked at my scorecard going, oh, my God, I'm a chance here. <laughs> yes. And I was literally, I literally hit two, I hit two bogeys on the last two How many holes. strokes is that? What number? Like, uh, so it would be 72, I hit 78. 78. Geez, so I was, I was on par for 76, so four, un, uh, so four over, but uh, I won't ever get 70s is amazing. Oh, yeah, I would never get to, I'll never get under the 72, trust me. I'm not that good, but. Oh, you never know, mate. The way you apply yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I ended up falling over the biggest hurdle, and it was the, the last hole was literally <laughs> probably a foot away, or two foot. I went to water. <laughs> oh, mate, we all go to water. <laughs> Well, mate, you don't come on here and go home without uh, something in your hands. And, uh, and and to be honest, mate, we don't have this podcast without Milwaukee Tools and Rick's Eyewear, but Milwaukee Tools have been with us for a while now and we we love them so much. We can't thank them. We uh, we, we get to give guests um, their prizes. And, and today, mate, you get the brushless pruning shears with the leather holster, mate. So here you go. That's on behalf of Milwaukee Tools. Is Thanks the, for is coming that the cut on. Your own bushes? That's for you to cut your own bushes, uh, mate. Is, you that can, the, is that the new uh, Manscaped? Oh, the Manscaped. It's lightweight design, offers maximum accessibility and control while reducing user fatigue. So I'll be there for a you while, can, while you're yawning here, mate, you can pull them out, the old pruning shears. 1,500 cuts per charge uh, on a 13-millimeter branch, and it comes with a 2.5-amp starter pack and a leather holster just to get you started, oh, money man. Mate, I'll be the fastest man in the West <laughs> once, I'm, once I'm done with this. Yeah, I'll be the best. Now, mate, with Milwaukee Tools, we always ask our guests, what is your Milwaukee Tools handiest moment of your career? Now, I know you're a humble man. So don't sit here and go, oh, yeah, yeah. I oh, know you, you've got more than anyone. So what is the handiest moment of your career? Can you think of it? Oh, um, it'd have to be um, Queensland Cup um, against Burley Bears. Uh, scored um, a long range try. I think I might have got try of the year um, in 2000 and, ooh, what do we mean, 2012? Yeah. Oh, early days. 2012, 2013. Was it a cracker try, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a great, it was a good try. Um, I think I ran 70 meters. Um, and obviously I intercepted the ball while I was playing fullback and there was two and one. Um, and I just went to Hail Mary and took the intercept and, um, yeah, went the other way and got Can like, we get footage of it? Yeah, you can get footage of oh, it. Oh, yeah, we love that. Yeah, we um, love that. And then the other one would just be, um, 2020 Origin Series um, when I obviously get the fifth tackle from Cherry, um, kicked the ball, um, regathered it, and then um, they got the ball back and they knocked it on and I caught, uh, we obviously got the ball and Harry hit me and I kicked for our winger, um, Edric Lee. 
That's probably the two handiest moments I can remember on the top of my head. That's great. Talk to me about that second one. Break it down. What was going through your head in the moment? Like, do you, are you thinking about this stuff? Like, give everyone an insight on how creative your mind is in these high-pressure moments. I just remember standing inside Chez. Um, anyone doesn't know Chez is Daily Chair Evans, and he was fifth tackle, and um, someone went and put pressure on him, so he got balked and then ended up just throwing it to me. And um, funny enough, I just reacted, caught the ball, and I seen Nathan in front of me, um, and got past him and then kicked it behind the bar, their line. And it just so happens it was a perfect angle that went around and I kind of went around them and then it bounced perfectly for me again. And then someone was coming at me. I quickly put on the boot um, and then it rolled back to their try line and it was an ugly bounce for their, one of their, uh, one of their players for the blues. And um, he was juggling it and um, Vel Holmes come through and kind of hit him between the, the Dell zone or the, between the chest and the gut and, lost it forward and um, I remember Joy Arrow got it, got tackled and then Harry ended up flinging it to me and um, they were obviously trying to get back on side and they didn't get on side enough and they come up hard and no one was outside looking after Edric and I put his ugly kick in, ugliest kick. I had all the time in the world to put it on the dime um, <laughs> and I, it hit, come off the shin <laughs> and it's just bounced one way bad and Edric, as I know Edric, Brenko Lee ended up touching it and it went backwards thankfully because I was blowing up going, how could it, How could he do, knock it on? But I was just angry because I knew I kicked the dog shit. <laughs> um, and I, I knew it was a perfect opportunity going begging. And it obviously went back. The referee seen it went backwards and then Edric picked it up and scored. And I was cheering because I fucking butchered that. <laughs> <laughs> Still, that's why it's the Milwaukee Tour handiest moment. Oh. Of your, one of your career. Uh, there you go. Well, the... Uh, the pruning saws, uh, the shears, I should say, they're coming home with you, mate. You can clean the bush up wherever yeah, that bush I, is. I need, I need to clean both bushes <laughs> up. <laughs> and then the Rick's on tour, mate. You've, uh, I must say, thank you. We saw we saw the Money Man's order the other week. You know, you put a couple of orders yeah, in. That's how loyal you are. You don't just want a freebie. You want to yeah. support businesses. Uh, you're a good man, and we do appreciate it, mate. Um, what did you get? You picked up the the, the Cherry Sohos. The Cherry Sohos. They're yeah. going hot at the moment. They are looking good. Um, Sold out the Cherry Sohos. Yeah, I've seen that. I was going to buy the green pair, but I don't know if the green pair have finished yet, but I like this. The cherries, um, beautiful for my face. I'm going from a four out of, to about six and a seven. So, <laughs> Well, mate, hopefully we've got you the Tribeca Champagne Tort. Head online at rickseyewear.com. Use our discount code ACES. <coughs> you get 20% off and free express shipping. There you go, brother. There's the Tribeca. Tommy, you don't want to look like me, guys. So I can help. Oh, look at this. Head for radio, but today <laughs> I'm looking good. Oh, look at this. Or in the eye, yep. Oh, mate, you're going to the races. You put them on. Oh, I'm going straight to the Mooney Valley tomorrow night. <laughs> night races. Uh, mate, Rick's on tour. I've, uh, I love asking this. you got, you know, your lovely partner goes, Cameron, you look stressed. This is the hypothetical. I think you need to go away for a week and you need to take two of your best mates that you play, you know, footy with. And I want you to pick a location and I want you to take your Rixies with you. And I don't want to hear about it. Just come back in a week. Storm or just anyone? I think Storm or Origin. Keep it, um, we'll keep it sporty for the, you know, the fans or out Origin. there. Who would be the two boys you'd take and what location would you take the Ricks with you and why? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to take someone that loves to party or likes to have fun. And I'm going to have to try and take someone that can pull us into line as well or, or keep us intact and make sure... We don't do anything stupid. Um, storm or origin? Hell. Um, Tough, isn't it? Just two. Obviously, you want to pick 10, but you got to pick two. I'm going to go 
I probably don't hang out with him as much, um, but I had a good relationship with him when he was here, Cameron Smith. Yeah, just to keep you keep you like nice and steady, knows right and wrong, won't go outside the box. And if he needs to tell you something that you need to to do, or get yourself out of trouble, I'll be listening to him. And I'm gonna say, oh, I'm gonna say, I, I reckon, well, I can't say his name. I'm gonna say Jerome Hughes. I reckon Hughesy. Yeah, yeah, Hughesy be great fun. Yeah, Hughesy um, likes to punt, likes to have a good time. Too, plays so golf. Plays golf. So we had to go over there, play a bit more golf. Hey, babe, we're just going for a golf golf trip. <laughs> Cameron Smith plays golf too, so there you go. There you go. Well, that means your location's up in the air at the moment. So yeah. where would you go? Plenty of great golf courses there in is, the world. There is. Um, Pebble Beach, I reckon, would be nice over in America. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't even mind trying like somewhere like Hawaii um, or even um, St. Andrews. Yeah. That's great. I saw Pebble Beach, Dwayne Wade hit a hole-in-one. Yeah, how crazy is that? First hole-in-one, yeah. and he was going wild. He was going wild. How tall is he? I thought he was like, because he was obviously short. Like I thought he was short, but he ain't short. They're, and they're, nah, and he's muscle. Like he's a, they're just big men, oh, basketballers. They're just different breed. Different breed, man. Different I don't know breed. How, like we're minimum, I'm probably maximum 6'6", six, six, and that's probably small to them. That, that's yeah, that's, that's average for them. Yeah, that's tiny. I'm not going to be 6'2". Six, six what are you, 6'2 online? But you don't, I don't nah. feel like you're 6'2". Nah. What are 95 centimetres it nah, says? No, I'm 6'12". <laughs> <laughs> I reckon you'd be 6 foot. You got, you got the old, you're putting the old uh, heel raise in your yeah, feet yeah. when you do the team photos. Nah, I, I, they reckon I'm 186 centimetres, but I reckon I'm 183, 184. Yeah. I, I haven't hit my peak. I'm, I'm still, <laughs> still growing. I'm still growing. Yeah, that's what I tell myself. Um, nah, have you hit a hole-in-one? That was my last question. Just on, Have you ever hit a hole-in-one? Nah, my brother-in-law hit a hole-in-one and he's only been playing for three years. Does that hurt you? And that hurts me. I've been playing for almost 15 and closest I've got as an eagle. Oh, that's still not bad. Yeah, it's still not good enough. <laughs> I've not even looked likely hitting a hole one. <laughs> yeah. It's because the pressure comes. Yeah. Every par three you go, oh, here it is. And that's another thing that annoys me. Walsh, claims that he's hit a hole in one, but it's on a par three course. Oh, that doesn't count. That doesn't count, surely. I, I well, does it's... it count? That's a good question. I, no, well, it's, if it's a par three on a, on a normal 18-hole golf course, go for your life. Yeah, but well, there's no club has to put your name up no, there, is no, there? No, you only can do it if it's comp. Yeah, I know. He's it. That's mm, it's a it's a grey area, I reckon. What about if it's par three, like par three course? How many people you reckon if you a hole in one on a par three course? Yeah, well, yeah, probably a few more. What about this one for a little quick one before we wrap up? But yeah, would me. you rather hit a hole in one next week on your own with no cameras and have to explain the story, or not hit a hole in one till you're fifty, but you're guaranteed to get one when you're fifty? And everyone's around. It's a big bucks party and it's all on camera. I'll be happy just to make 50, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would go the 50-year-old. Yeah, you'd want yeah. a special one. I'd be mang mangled up, but I'd, I reckon, <laughs> I reckon I'll, I'll be like another chance. It's on camera. You can share it for the rest of your life. Hopefully, there's a few more years after 50, surely. It'd be a part three on an 18 off golf course to use and drive up <laughs> 50. You just tap it up. Just tap it up. Tap there. and run. I'll be swinging as hard as I can, I reckon, and still only just make it there. <laughs> Those old codgers, they just hit it dead straight, dead don't straight. they? They just slap it up there and, three times. It annoys me. We're trying to hit bombs, and they're just poking along, and they have a better <laughs> handicap than you. Yeah. Brother, I just want to say thanks so much uh, for jumping on. Always wanted to get you on. Also, congratulations on the Clubhouse, the other podcasts that you've always done. Nah, been, thank you. It's been awesome. Um, all the stuff you've shared today is so cool, uh, especially – for all the fans of yours and all the rugby fans out there and people can learn so much. So thank you. Thank you to everyone that continually uh, tunes in. Thank you to Milwaukee. Thank you to Ricks. Without you guys, we don't have the show. 
Um, and like always, you can l- let us know what you think. Comment. There's so many platforms you can comment on, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, Apple. We read them all. We try to get back to you. Um, but yeah, thank you. Hope you're having a great uh, spring. And uh, once again, brother, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Tommy Talks. I really appreciate Oz American Aces and Ricks and uh, Milwaukee. Really appreciate the nice gifts, guys. And um, yeah, go the storm. Go the storm. One more time because I really mean it. I just want to say a massive thank you for all the support you continue to give us at the Oz American Aces. If you want to further support us, make sure you like and subscribe, hit the follow button so you can keep up to date with all our exciting shows and announcements. Righto, now it's time to give our sponsors a massive plug. Lead the charge with Milwaukee. Performance, power, precision, no petrol hassles. Learn more at milwaukeetool.com.au. Milwaukee, nothing but heavy duty. Aces, I know I always talk about the Rixies, but I've got to offer you the discount again. In case you've forgotten or in case you're sleeping under a rock, we have a special discount code for everyone that listens to this podcast or watch the podcast. It's Aces. Head online to rickseyewear.com.au and use the discount code Aces and you'll get 20% off. That's right, 20% off, one-fifth at checkout and free express shipping. So head online, rickseyewear.com.au and check it out.